You're listening to Ari Snapshots, where each fortnight we chat about the science behind the weeds and decode some of the trickier concepts which crop up. Welcome to RE Snapshots. Today on the podcast, we're going to be finding out about the upcoming Herbicide Discovery and Development Conference, which is happening from January 18 to 19 in 2023, next year at Curtin University in Perth, WA. So due to genetic resistance to many of the most used herbicides, the need for new ones is greater than ever. This conference invites you to be part of that solution. So University of Mississippi Adjunct Research Professor Steve Duke will be the keynote speaker on Thursday, January 19, and he'll be talking on molecular targets of herbicides and insecticides. Are there overlaps that can be useful? So Steve does join me now to discuss what he'll be presenting on, as well as a bit of an overview on what to expect from the conference. How are you going, Steve? Fine. Thank you so much for joining me. Can you firstly provide some background on your research and role for those who might not be familiar with your research? Okay, I was trained as a uh, plant biochemist many years ago, and uh, since uh, getting the PhD, I spent most of my research effort on determining the molecular target sites of herbicides and phytotoxins that are not used as herbicides. Uh, most, most all, well, all commercial herbicides target only one molecule in the plant, almost always an enzyme, and finding that initial target site of a herbicide has been very difficult in the past. We still don't know all of them, but uh, I've determined a few of them and have worked on quite a few of the others. So that's that's been my research background. That's what I'm mostly known for. I've also spent a lot of effort on natural products for pest management, not only herbicides, but uh, insecticides and fungicides too. Very interesting, Steve, and I'm sure a lot of people would already be familiar with that work, but it's always good to just get a rundown. So today we're going to be finding out a bit more about the Herbicide Discovery and Development Conference. This is the second time this conference will run. As mentioned in the intro there, you'll be giving a a keynote at this conference on molecular targets of herbicides and insecticides and whether overlaps can be useful. Can you provide a bit of introduction on what your topic will cover? Well, I'll be talking about something that we stumbled on uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, We were made aware of the fact that one group of herbicides are extremely toxic to blood-fed insects. In other words, mosquitoes, ticks, kissing bug, bed bugs, etc. And it turns out this enzyme that's targeted by a group of different commercial herbicides called HPPD, Uh, at least the target site is HPPD. It turns out insects also have this target site and it's used to detoxify high tyrosine content in insects that have fed on blood. Uh, The high tyrosine content is very toxic to the insect. If this HPPD enzyme cannot metabolize it, the insect dies. And uh, we found that this, since we have some uh, lab work being done on bed bugs and mosquitoes, we were quite interested in this. Then it occurred to me, has anybody really looked at overlap between the target sites, between insects and herbicides? 
how many target sites of commercial insecticides might also be found in plants and how many target sites of commercial herbicides might be found in insects. We went through all the literature and found that for insecticides, there's not very much overlap. There's a little bit. There, there are some compounds that are used for both insecticides and herbicides that uh, like uh, uncouplers of mitochondrial res respiration, but there isn't much overlap with the insecticides as far as herbicides go. But there are quite a number of herbicide target sites that are also found in insects, and we found literature indicating that uh, some of these target sites are are fairly susceptible in uh, in some insects. And uh, in fact, Josh Milney, who's organizing this meeting in Perth, has been working on compounds that are related to the statins that people take for uh, to, to lower their cholesterol are very effective herbicides. Right. They're also very effective insecticides. Insects have exactly the same target site. And with in the insect, when you inhibit this enzyme, you inhibit production of some hormones that are necessary for the insect. In the plant, when you inhibit this enzyme, you inhibit production of some sterile synthesis that's necessary for membrane function in the plant. So the end result is a little different, but the target site is the same. So this, this paper will deal with those molecular target sites plus a few others that we found to be uh, of interest. So uh, a new approach to looking at uh, molecular target sites that has not been uh, attempted before as far as we can determine. That's so interesting, Steve. What a hook for people to come along to the conference. It's a really interesting topic and I'm sure people will love to hear more about it in person. Now, this conference, it does invite attendees to be part of the solution to uh, resistance, genetic resistance. How will conference attendees be able to make a difference in this regard, do you think? What's the concept here? You never know what sort of interaction with, with other scientists is going to lead to a breakthrough. I was told by my mage professor many years ago that uh, listening to papers and reading papers is fine, but very often you find out more drinking a beer with another scientist mm. than you would if you listened to, read all their papers. So, yeah. uh, in fact, there's a lot of serendipity in science. In the last meeting that I went to that Josh organized in Perth, there was a lot of very nice interaction between the pesticide chemistry people and plant physiologists, et cetera. So I hope to see the same sort of interactions occurring uh, at this meeting in January. Yeah, I think uh, setting the scene like this is a good a good beginning for that kind of interaction too because, yeah, it provides that platform for a collaborative approach rather than just hearing from people on the stage. So, yeah, that's very good. Now, uh, for many years, new chemistry to market was at a standstill, but in recent years we've seen one new mode of action become commercial available and, and several new modes of action that may become commercially available as well. So what are your thoughts on this? Do you think there will continue to be new modes of action into the future as we've currently seen? Almost certainly there will be. There are a lot of things. Uh, there are a lot of new modes of actions that companies have discovered. Whether or not they make it to the marketplace depends on many, many details like whether they're too toxic or not, ecotoxicology, cost of production, 
uh, and many other many other things. But the need is growing for pesticides with new target sites. So the value of a new product continues to go up, and this will tip the balance toward introduction of some of these compounds that are already sitting on company shelves for certain. They have things that could be used if the economics were appropriate for them to make money on them. Also, there are a lot of new approaches to discovery that are yielding some results. So, uh, And because of the resistance problem that has grown rather large over the last couple of decades, the amount of research effort being expended to, to, to find new compounds with new molecular targets has gone up considerably. New small companies have have been uh, brought into to existence and the big companies, the five big companies that are left are spending more money on discovery than they were a few years ago. So I expect we will see new modes of action coming. Yeah, no, that's really interesting to hear from you on that point, Steve. And, and we've also seen spot spraying and green on green technology quickly become adopted and it's also advancing at a rapid rate. And there are lots of talks about this opening up opportunities for farmers to use chemistry that might once have been out of reach due to cost barriers. And, and that might be the case as well for some of these new modes of actions that might become available. They might have, uh, you know, higher entry points in terms of cost to market. But if people have to use less of them because of this spot spray technology, it could become available to more growers. How do you think this might impact on new chemistry development? It's hard to say. As you said, it could make a compound that's too expensive for farmers to use now economical if you're only spraying 10% of the field because you have a spraying technology that allows you to spray only the weed cover. So this is something that pesticide companies are grappling with. This is a uh, disruptive technology that's going to be a game changer for a lot of things. Also, it may, if you're only selling 10% of an old herbicide, it may not be feasible, to, economically feasible to keep it on the market if you can only uh, sell 10% of what you were, you were selling a few years ago. So, uh, as I said, it's going to be it's going to be a disruptive technology, but it's certainly coming on very fast. I saw a survey done by the Weed Science Society of America very recently, and uh, almost all weed scientists feel like this technology has maybe the most to offer in terms of new technologies for weed management. Even people not working in this area see this as a real game changer. Yeah, certainly, Steve. And and not only are we seeing new chemistries come online, but there's also been advancements, you know, as well as that spot spraying technology, as we mentioned, but also in technology like harvest weed seed control mills, which is already commercial. And we're now seeing, you know, microwave technology to kill weeds. Uh, trials in this space are being done and it's, you know, looking at uh, whether it could be a viable option for growers as well. And chemical weed control continues to be an integral part of farming systems, obviously. But what's your view on the future landscape of weed control options given these new advancements in chemistry technology and other non-chemical tactics that we're seeing to kill weeds? I think it's going to be a more diverse combination of technologies that has in the past. It's been almost, I would say, 90% chemical weed management for the last 50 years in developed countries at least. 
And that technology has been very valuable. It's it's prevented a great deal of worldwide starvation. It's been estimated that we would probably lose half of our crop yield without this technology that we've been using for the last 50 years. But I think advancements in application technology will reduce the amount of pesticides that we're using. Uh, transgenic crops will have certainly reduced the amount of insecticide and fungicide that we're using in some crops, and this will continue. And there are other new technologies that will use not traditional synthetic herbicides, but will use RNAi, uh, small peptides, and tagging molecular target sites for destruction within the plant. These technologies are being used in pharmaceuticals, but they will probably be used in the pesticide area in the next uh, decade or two. So we see a lot of new technologies coming online. Also, not only robotic or image detection and application technology for pesticides, we will see the uh, robotic weeding, mechanical weeding and robotic detection with the use of lasers and uh, and microwave also so a lot of a lot more diversity in 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 pest management will occur in the, in the next uh, decade or two it's definitely a really exciting space and you know i'm sure listeners are keen to hear you in person at the conference and i'll provide the website for the details to look at uh, the details of that conference in the show notes but before we wrap things up is there anything else that you wanted to mention not really i'm as i said i'm really hopeful for the future i see a lot of activity all over the world a lot of small startup companies with new ideas that aren't a subject to group think that you see in some of the larger companies and uh, some of these will be successful and uh, I, I think that the future is bright and it needs to be bright considering uh, climate change and the burgeoning human population without these new technologies and with all the evolution of resistance we're seeing to pesticides we're, we're going to be in real trouble without new technologies to to battle resistance definitely steve well thank you so much for your time and we look forward to seeing you in perth in january next year thank you so much thank you jess